Brent Venables provides an injury update. And do the Oklahoma Sooners have actual college football playoff possibilities? We'll talk about that on today's episode of Locked On Sooners. You are Locked On Sooners, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma Sooners. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Sooner Nation? Welcome to Locked On Sooners, and thank you for making Locked On Sooners your first listen every single day. Today's episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash locked on college or enter promo code locked on college for a free water bottle with any purchase. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. My name is John Williams. You can follow me on Twitter at John9Williams. My buddy here is Josh Helmer. You can follow him on Twitter at Josh on Ref. The show is at Locked On Sooners. And Josh, Brent Venables provided some important injury updates during his Tuesday media availability that I think could have long lasting ramifications in particular. It looks like Justin Harrington's not going to be back in the foreseeable future. Yeah, that uh, obviously is a substantial loss for OU. We also learned of the definite season ending surgery variety that uh, defensive back Jaden Rowe, Phil Pachotti, uh, true freshman linebacker, each of those two individuals fit that category for Oklahoma. But, you know, not to uh, downplay those injuries or the severity of season-ending injuries to those two individuals, it sounds like that's the case that we're in for a starter for Oklahoma with one Justin Harrington, who Vittable said, quote-unquote, is uh, evaluating options following a knee injury sustained against SMU that uh, obviously sidelined the uh, former junior college transfer when Oklahoma played Tulsa this uh, past weekend in week three. So, well, uh, I, I guess that begs the question, right? W- what does this mean, John, for Oklahoma? How damaging is this to Oklahoma's season, to their hopes? I mean, it's something that you're going to have to pay attention to, especially as you get ready for you know Big 12 play. The good news is you're getting Desan McCullough back at Cheetah, starting this Saturday against Cincinnati, the guy that most people assumed was going to be the starter for the longest time until in fall camp, it sounded like Justin Harrington had won the job. Now you've got a really good option in Desan McCullough. I think you've got a really good option in Peyton Bowen, although they'd prefer him to play safety. Having him as an option at Cheetah makes a lot of sense. And you have a little bit of versatility at the Cheetah position. If you roll with a guy like Desan McCullough, with Peyton Bowen, and then they even gave Kip Lewis some snaps at that spot on Saturday against Tulsa. I think it gives you three very different options, but three very dynamic and athletic options that you can put in that position and still get pretty high production and good value from because, I mean, yes, you lose Justin Harrington, but, I mean, we've only seen a couple games out of Justin Harrington. We don't really know what his ceiling could have been. You still have pretty high ceilings with guys like McCullough and Lewis and Peyton Bowen you know, for McCullough and Lewis, they're only two years into their collegiate career. Bowen's a true freshman, so they still have a lot of growing to do, but they each offer a lot of athletic potential. Well, and probably it should have been our telltale sign, right, when Kip Lewis started this past week really rotating in at Cheetah. There was sort of that rumbling that maybe this was, if not a season-ending injury, for Harrington that uh, it was substantial time 
type injury for Harrington. And with, you know, Lewis obviously factoring in uh, the way that he did this past week, that probably, again, was the telltale sign there. But McCullough is a nice starting point. Pearson is a nice starting point there at the Cheetah. Reggie Pearson, uh, or Bowen, if I if I said Pearson. Bowen, McCullough, and Pearson, if you need him, at the Cheetah is, is nice. And then, uh, obviously, you know, Bowman, Pearson at safety, a couple other options there. Seems like OU's got more cornerback options than they've had in, in a long, long time, John. Cornerback options that you can trust, right? We've seen Oklahoma have to go down the depth chart a little bit with Gentry Williams these past couple of weeks. And uh, by and large, the returns have been pretty good at cornerback for Oklahoma. So if you're saying, okay, hey, what is the impact of all of this? There's no way to sit here and tell you that it's in any way, shape, or form good for Oklahoma or, hey, it's no big deal that Justin Harrington's potentially lost for the season, John. But uh, I do think compared to maybe last season, the year before these last, however many seasons you want to throw my direction, Oklahoma does feel, John, like they're in a better position to withstand at least this first injury. And I think they are. I think we're seeing so far through three weeks that they've got the depth capable of withstanding an injury. You know, you said it with Kenai Walker, with Kendall Dolby. We got to see what they were able to accomplish, even though Gentry Williams went down. I still think Gentry Williams gives you much better options at cornerback, but you're not in a bad spot with Kenai and with Kendall Dolby. I mean, Kendall Dolby was what the top rated cornerback coming out of the Juco uh, transfer portal. And then Kenai Walker, they were very, very high on him in the 2022 off season. And then, you know, we've now started to see him get some playing time and see that potential really take hold. So you're in a much better place. The ceiling is higher for this cornerback room. Uh, it'll be interesting to see because, uh, you know, Brent Venables mentioned Reggie Pearson as somebody that they're hopeful with you know dealing with an injury so does that mean that he's going to be available this week it sounds like uh, but I, even there if you're down reggie pearson you still have a really nice safety group with you know key lawrence and billy bowman and baton bowen and robert spears jennings robert spears jennings somebody that brent venables highlighted in his tuesday media availability because of his ability to play special teams gives giving the oklahoma Sooners value not only as a, a safety depth option but also on special teams He's a really good potential player for the Sooners, even if you're down a guy like like Pearson this week. And I think that's just a sign that all of the depth is better. Across the board, on both sides of the ball, you're just a much, much deeper team. Yeah, they, especially defensive backfield. They, they've really upgraded the amount of depth back there. That's, you know, we could say that about linebacker. We could say that uh, I think maybe we want to see a little bit more. We feel like we can say that about defensive line but uh, definitely defensive backfield linebacker, I think. No doubt, John, the depth is better at those two position groups. Well, with defensive line, I just don't feel like there's a steep drop-off. So it may your starting group may not be like an A-plus group. It may be a B-plus group, but maybe your second group is maybe a B-minus group. There's not a significant drop-off from your starters to your second team and your third team. So I think even though maybe you're not seeing elite defensive line production, at least as a pass rush, you're seeing elite defensive line production against the run right now, which is a great sign for the future of this defense. You're not experiencing a big drop off when they're rotating guys out, which I think is a, a really, really good sign as to what's happening with Oklahoma's defense and a good start for what's happening with Oklahoma's defense. So uh, the the Savion Bird thing, they didn't really go into much detail about him and his availability. 
they said hopeful. We'll see. You know, we'll see what's going on. But it sounds like Caden Green's being slotted in to play left guard, which I think is an indication that they don't necessarily feel Savion Bird's going to be ready to go this week if they felt like they needed to move Bird from left tackle to left guard. No, that's yeah, that's a good point. Obviously, there's a bunch of guys, not just Green at left guard, but Sexton got some reps. Taylor got some reps. Troy Everett got a bunch of reps this past week. So Oklahoma was sort of trying to figure some things out along the the offensive line and just trying to rep some different guys as they should, right, in a game that wound up 66-17 versus Tulsa. That's a great opportunity to, hey, let's see what we've got in in a number of different regards along the offensive line. And OU uh, obviously took that opportunity. A couple of final just little injury notes and updates there for you. Uh, maybe you mentioned a couple of these, John, but uh, Josiah Wagner, R. Mason Thomas, I think the other two names that maybe we didn't touch on that – Again, Venables is hopeful uh, today in his press conference that those two guys uh, on the mend back maybe as soon as this week. So, again, you just think about uh, the defensive backfield depth, the defensive line depth. Obviously, it'd be great to have both Wagner and R. Mason Thomas back into the fold. And we're going to find out more about what the injury situation is for the Oklahoma Sooners this week as we get ready for Cincinnati. We'll see who's available on game day for that big noon kickoff matchup. Coming up, we're going to talk about how realistic Oklahoma's chances are of making the college football playoff, according to the ESPN Football Power Index. Uh, We'll do that after the break. You're listening to Locked On Sooners, part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And this episode of Locked On Sooners is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Man, if you're looking for the most comfortable short that gives you the best fit, you want to go check out Bird Dogs. They got the stretch khaki shorts that are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg that give you a truly sculpted look. They do the exact same thing as Lululemon, but they fit way, way better. They're way better than regular shorts that are made of a stiff, restricting cotton because they've got that cloud knit fabric that looks just like khaki i wear mine out to the soccer field as i'm coaching my my son's u4 team and my daughter's u8 team and it's hot and it's humid so far still although we're starting to get a little bit cooler weather man the humidity is a killer but in my bird dogs i stay looking good and feeling good as i'm spending hours out at the soccer fields on a saturday morning so go to birddogs.com use promo code locked on college and you can get a free yeti style tumbler over at locked on at birddogs.com slash locked on college for the best fitting short you won't want to take your bird dogs off we promise you the spn football power index is a Fantastic indicator of past production, projecting future performance uh, as it relates to, you know, recruiting in the past, uh, success in the past, and what you are accomplishing so far. Now that we've got three weeks of data, the ESPN Football Power Index loves the Oklahoma Sooners right now. They're ranked currently number two in the ESPN FBI behind Ohio State, and the Sooners have a 55.3% chance to win the conference and Josh, a 50.9% chance to make the college football playoff. Are you buying those projections right now? I'm buying that Oklahoma is absolutely a legitimate big 12 championship contender. Matter of fact, uh, if, if you said, Hey, give me one hot take right here, right now, tonight, I think Oklahoma and Texas are playing for the big 12 championship. So I don't think they're meeting once. I think they're meeting twice. And I think the second time will be uh, for all the marbles in the Big 12 Conference. 
So, yes, absolutely, I think Oklahoma is a legitimate threat in this conference. I don't think it's by coincidence that uh, where we sit today, those are the only two teams ranked in the Big 12 Conference. Not that necessarily that's where we're going to finish, but, John, I do think there's going to be some clear separation from OU, Texas, and the rest of this league. And so with that in mind, you look at Oklahoma's schedule today uh, as compared to how we felt in the the summer. We, we did this exercise in – our last episode, but uh, you know, even though there's some games across the board that maybe relative to the summer, I feel, okay, well, they're a little bit better than I thought. It's not that anybody's so overwhelmingly much better than I thought that all of a sudden there's three or four potholes in this Oklahoma schedule. I still feel like it's a very navigable schedule for Oklahoma, Cincinnati, they take one step forward and then a step back versus Miami of Ohio this past week, though turnovers had a lot to do with that. Iowa State's a mess. The uh, the Texas game, if you can get through that, then uh, you start thinking about road trips at Kansas, at Oklahoma State, at BYU. BYU sort of up and down, tough to figure out so far. Kansas uh, sort of, I guess, what we expected, John. Maybe still not great defensively, but Jalen Daniels, of course, is going to give you some problems. And Oklahoma State's not very good, right? Oklahoma State's one of the worst teams in the league. West Virginia, I still think, is one of the worst teams in the league. TCU is worse than we thought coming in. UCF, a little bit better probably than we thought coming in. But guess what? That game's uh, in Norman. So, yeah, I look at the picture and the – I mean, basically what the ESPN FBI is telling us, John, is it's a coin flip right? Which I take it from that, that it's saying, hey, you're favored in every single game except the Texas game. And if you win that game, you're probably going to the college football playoff. And even right now, after week three, the Oklahoma Sooners have the edge in the ESPN matchup predictor. That game's gone back and forth the last few weeks uh, after Texas beat or before Texas beat Alabama. Oklahoma was the the favorite in that, uh, at least based on the projection. And then after Texas beat Alabama, it flipped back to Oklahoma. And then after week three, Oklahoma's thrashing of Tulsa and the Longhorns struggling with with Wyoming for three quarters, it flipped back to Oklahoma. So I think the, the matchup predictors kind of calling it a coin flip game, the Red River Showdown. But, I mean, you've got to like Oklahoma's chances. You can tell me they haven't played anybody, but they've dominated the three teams that they've played. And that's all you can really ask. And I did the exercise in the little bonus episode of about Dylan Gabriel uh, that launched on uh, you know midday on Tuesday. Sure, they haven't played anybody, but he's playing at a much, much higher level than what he played against the nobodies Oklahoma played in 2022, Kent State, Nebraska, and UTEP. He didn't have a completion percentage higher than 72% in those three games. He never threw more for more than 300 yards. Didn't have a four-touchdown day in either of those games. And he's got a four-touchdown day and a five-touchdown day to start the 2023 season against SMU and Tulsa. He's already got a big 300-yard day against Arkansas State. He threw for over 400 yards against Tulsa. So you're looking at an offense that's clicking on all cylinders and playing at a much higher level against supposedly lesser competition then they were playing at against supposedly less, lesser competition a year ago. So if we want to talk apples to apples, although the teams are different, Oklahoma is a different team than they were last year too. And by all accounts, they look like a better team than what they were a year ago last year. Well, and they certainly, the, the numbers bear out the missed tackles number is, is way down compared to, there's a number, a number of different metrics you can look at 
that this team, even in a lopsided non-conference start a year ago compared to a lopsided non-conference start this season, the numbers say that this non-conference start for Oklahoma is better than that non-conference start for Oklahoma. And I sort of took the schedule route on this thing, John, to where it's, okay, now we have a little bit more information on these teams. And I, even in some spots where I'm like, okay, well, that's a little bit better team than I was expecting. There's nobody on the schedule outside of Texas that's so much better than I was expecting. And the location of the game is, I don't know, in Lawrence, Kansas or Stillwater, you name it, to where I say, okay, that's probably a loss for OU. But the schedule aside, just the personnel itself, Wide receiver was a big-time question for Oklahoma. This team has answered its questions at wide receiver. Andrell Anthony, bona fide playmaker for OU. Jalil Farouk, we're starting to see that these last couple of weeks for uh, for Oklahoma. Drake Stoops, you know what you're going to get. Nick Anderson, started to see a little bit of that. Jaden Gibson, so on and on and on. Wide receivers answered its questions, right? Dylan Gabriel, as you mentioned, playing the best football, I think, of his career. I'll bet it's come against competition that you're not going to get a ton of credit for, right? Even though, again, he's just playing fantastic. We'll we'll deal with what we've got so far, which is Dylan Gabriel's playing really good, right? Flip to the defensive side of the football. Danny Stutzman is playing the best football of his career. He's playing at an All-American level. I think the secondary is so obviously improved for Oklahoma. The couple of busts that they had uh, this past week don't even really freak me out that much because I see so many more competitive moments in coverage from OU as compared to years past run defense radically improved for Oklahoma. So if I'm taking just even the schedule and tossing that to the side, not thinking about it, just talking about Oklahoma's personnel, John, yes, it looks like Oklahoma's a better football team. And then combining with the schedule, I, it should have been the expectation going in for college football playoff. This is Oklahoma that never changes, but yes, now today it's, a realistic expectation. Yeah, they got to keep winning. And that next test comes against Cincinnati, a team that's running the football really, really well. And has got a good defensive line that could create problems for your passing game. We'll talk about some of our expectations for this matchup against Cincinnati. What we look kind of look forward to what we want to see happen. It's kind of our brief primer here on locked on Sooners, your team every day. We'll be back after the break. Everyone should be empowered to care for themselves and their loved ones during the unexpected, which, well, it's unexpected because you're not expecting it. You need to be prepared for it, though. That's why Jace Medical offers the Jace case. The Jace case, what is it? Well, it provides five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use and gives you that peace of mind, that just-in-case peace of mind, so that you are not just hoping that you have access to medication in the instance of an emergency. No, you know you've got access to uh, that medication in the instance, in the event of an emergency. Jace Medical, they make sure that you've got that medication in hand. Jace Medical, it's simple. They handle everything from the online eval to licensed pharmacy medication delivery and ongoing consultation and care. Don't get caught unprepared. Don't let it happen. Save more than $360 by getting these life-saving antibiotics with Jace Medical, plus an additional $20 off by using our code Locked On at checkout at jacemedical.com. That's Jace Medical, J-A-S-E medical.com, promo code Locked On. Well, Cincinnati, 
What do we think? The Miami, Ohio loss. Does that uh, Pittsburgh being whatever you think Pittsburgh is in their win over Pittsburgh? What do we think about Cincinnati? I'm not sure yet, you know, and, and maybe that's kind of hedging a little bit. I think they're going to be good in certain areas. You know, I felt high on Emory Jones coming into this season. If he was going to be able to take care of the football, then it would give them a good opportunity to win. But he wasn't able to take care of the football last week against Miami of Ohio. Uh, throw through a couple picks. That's going to hurt you. Even though he's th- putting up a ton of yards, both on the ground and through the air interceptions, man, that's going to set you back when you only have so many possessions against a team like Oklahoma, who's going to go up tempo up, you know, fast pace, maximize every single possession, try to maximize the amount of possessions they get in a game. If they're going to be, if Oklahoma is able to take away a couple possessions from you, that's really going to hinder your opportunities to keep up with an offense. That's as explosive as the Sooners. You know, if I'm just looking at where Oklahoma ranks in comparison, you know, just based on big 12 rankings over at pro football focus, the Oklahoma Sooners have the number one defense in the conference right now, based on pro football focuses grades, Cincinnati, they're middle of the pack at number seven. You look at the offense and the Oklahoma Sooners have the number three offense in the big 12 behind Kansas and UCF, the Cincinnati Bearcats. They are at number six, again, middle of the pack. So, you know, I'm, I'm looking at this team and I'm thinking, okay, Oklahoma is going to have a chance to put up some points because they've got a better offense. They've got a better defense, get a little bit more specific. Oklahoma's passing game is considered the best in the big 12 by pro football focus. Cincinnati's coverage game is number 11 in the big 12, according to pro football focus. So just on a brief 10,000 foot view level, Oklahoma's strength meeting Cincinnati's weakness. I'm liking that. Now, If Oklahoma goes into this trying to be a battering ram and run at Cincinnati's strength, which is their run defense, then I won't feel as confident. But I'm I'm feeling good about where Oklahoma stands right now heading into the matchup. Yeah, it's going to be a supercharged environment with it being Cincinnati's first game of the Big 12 Conference. Welcome to the show. And, oh, by the way, you draw Oklahoma. So we know all that. The fact that it's at 11 a.m. kicking off is – probably uh nice for OU that it's not hey charge up the whole day and then go go play your first ever Big 12 uh football game but you know ultimately once they kick the thing off how much does all of that matter that it's uh that type of environment you could take the crowd out of it if Oklahoma goes and and does what Oklahoma is capable of doing i look at last week and Emory Jones a couple of costly interceptions It's not like Cincinnati's been offensively, though they had 538 yards of total offense against Miami of Ohio. John, you go back to the pit game. It's not like they're just totally offensively lighting the world on fire. And I do think this is an Oklahoma team that is just really improved on that side of the football. So let's hope that that travels and that Oklahoma can go prove uh, that that is the case to us. And then I just think, I mean, Cincinnati, are they going to be able to slow down Dylan Gabriel and these weapons? Are they going to be able to do that enough to beat OU even at home? I just, I'm going to be surprised if that's how this thing plays out for OU. I think OU is going to go up there and I think they're going to win this thing fairly comfortably, John. I could see the suitors getting stressed for a half and partly through the third quarter, but uh, I don't think it's going to be a fourth quarter stressor for Oklahoma. I really don't. I think they're improved enough and I don't think Cincinnati's good enough for that to be the case. And I, and I look forward to Oklahoma getting off to another good start. 
they've done that really well in games where, you know, the first time the offense really has the ball, they go out and they put up points. That's, that's what Oklahoma's MO has been. I think in, again, maybe against SMU, they didn't, you know, get a score right off the bat. I, I'd have to go back and look, but they were good in the first quarter and you get off to a good start and then it starts to put pressure on the other team. And if you're able to get off to a good start in Nypert stadium, take the crowd out of it a little bit, that just gives you an opportunity to have a stronger edge later in the game. But we're going to have more to say about this game as we get closer to kickoff on Saturday. Make sure you subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. We're free and available on all podcast platforms and on YouTube. Hit that notification bell to let you know when new episodes drop. Follow Josh on Twitter at Josh on Ref. Follow myself on Twitter at John9Williams. The show is at Locked On Sooners. You can also hear Josh Monday through Friday from 9 to noon on the KRF Sports app as well. So until next time, he's Josh Helmer. I'm John Williams. Boomer Sooner.